From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Sherita Brent here today with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is Susan Smith, attorney at law in Greenville and South Haven. Today, we'll talk about Social Security disability issues. How do you apply for Social Security benefits? How do you determine if you're eligible or not? How long should it take for you to receive benefits? Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you have any comments or questions. That's 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent here today with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is Susan Smith, attorney at law in Greenville and South Haven. Today we're going to talk about Social Security disability issues. How do you apply for Social Security benefits? How do you determine if you are eligible for those benefits or not? How long should it take for you to receive them? We'll also talk about the appeals process as well and whether or not you need uh, an expert to help you. You can give us a call this morning at 877-MPB-RING if you have any questions or comments about Social Security benefits. That's 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, good morning to you, Professor Gershon and Attorney Smith. Thank you both for being on today. Good morning, Sharita. I'm really happy that uh, Susan Smith is on today. This is such an important topic, and it really, you know, not all the topics that we have on the show impact literally everybody, but this one... This one does. So mm-hmm. uh, it's really going to be a great show. Well, good morning. Yeah. Good morning, Attorney Smith. Good morning. How are you? I am okay. I've had a rough morning. Uh, let's go ahead and be honest. I had to get a new tire. I was at the place at 7 a.m. I just made it in like two minutes before the show started. So I'm a little frustrated this morning, but, uh, you know, being on the radio always helps me relieve stress. So I am glad that I made it this morning because I was afraid that I wouldn't. I kept telling those guys, I said, hurry up and change this tire. I have a live <laughs> show at 10. They didn't, they didn't get it, but they got me out in time. So... Um, I am going to leave some reviews, uh, nevertheless, on Yelp or somewhere to let them know I was dissatisfied with my experience. <laughs> well, it's good to, good that you're here. We're glad yes. to have you. Uh, but you're right. This is a, a very good topic. And Professor Gershon, I just wanted to ask if there's anything in the news on the legal front that uh, you, you wanted to, to hit on that we hadn't touched on since last week. Well, no, Sharita, you know, it's interesting. In some ways, it's been a pretty quiet week there. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, the Gorsuch confirmation last week. That was happening, uh, presidential use of uh, power in Syria. And then you come to a week like this, and uh, they're not as many uh, big issues. Uh, you know, one, we're still waiting to hear what will happen uh, with the uh, appeal of the uh, House Bill 1523 here in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of dormant now because those uh, that case has, has been heard at the Fifth Circuit. So, you know, uh, it's a quiet week, and, and we can spend our time on disability this week. 
Yeah, I heard on NPR News yesterday they were talking about uh, Gorsuch taking taking his seat and how some of the laws that they were going through were convoluted and the older justices were trying to tell him the way things work and he was saying, oh, well, there's a simpler solution here and they're like, no, it's not. So he's kind of having to, to get adjusted. How is it, I wonder, with all the Supreme Court justices, is there kind of like this rookie feel that goes into being a new member of the Supreme Court? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, he, he has been on a, a, a court just below the Supreme Court for a while and you know, heard appellate cases and understands the process. It's just a little bit different at the Supreme Court. And I imagine uh, maybe uh, he's got uh, some egos up there to, to deal with as well. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, you know, if nothing else, they're going to treat him a little bit like a rookie uh, as the newest person. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of human nature to do that. And, and their systems will be different. Their rules are a little bit different. But he, he's he's a veteran of being a judge. So I don't think he'll have uh, too bad an adjustment. Now, I'd like to ask this. You may or may not have the the answer to this, but I'm sure you heard of the manhunt that is going on uh, for this man who killed an elderly man on Facebook Live yesterday. They still have not found him, to my understanding. But I was more curious. Many people had their own comments about Facebook Live and Facebook censoring and knowing when what videos should be allowed and which ones shouldn't. Do you think it'll get to a point where folks have to bring charges against Facebook for uh, because the video has spread now it's it's not going to go away folks have saved it and it's out there on the internet does does Facebook have any kind of responsibility uh, in this particular situation maybe some but you know they are just a platform and they're a platform for people to exchange pictures ideas uh, uh, even even some things that are offensive I mean they will uh, you know eventually they will take people down if they're they're uh, too offensive but you know that's not that's not their role. Their role is to be a platform for us to uh, again express ideas. Sometimes those ideas are, are really horrible and and you know should never have been expressed. But the opposite of that is if we have you know censorship, then we don't have the freedom to put those ideas up there. They're not a government entity, you mm-hmm. know, so they're not they're not uh, responsible for regulating speech. But they also can at some point regulate speech without violating anybody's First Amendment rights. So it'll be interesting to see see what happens. But I um, I think probably, you know, Facebook's argument is going to be we're just we're just a platform. Right. Well, I certainly do hope they catch this guy. I mean, I have been kind of disappointed at times with some of the content I see floating around on Facebook. And sometimes it's violent content. And I just think it's hard, I'm sure, to manage all of the things that people are posting. There are billions of people on Facebook, so I can't imagine that they overlook things uh, from time to time. But I kind of do wish they would tighten up on the types of violent content that is circulating on their platform. I agree. And I think, you know, this... Hopefully this will bring some awareness. Uh, It was a a really tragic and horrible event. Yeah. Well, uh, as you mentioned, we're really glad to have Attorney Susan Smith on with us today. We're going to be talking about uh, Social Security benefits. And uh, uh, Attorney Smith, if you could tell us a little bit about how you got into this area of law. Well, believe it or not, I didn't start out as an attorney. I started out as a teacher. Hmm. And I was teaching in Pinellas County, Florida. I was one of those lucky people to have a sinkhole underneath their house and dealing with lawyers back and forth. And I said, you know, dang, I can do this too. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. I can get paid more money. <laughs> and so I went to, um, to paralegal school um, basically because I wanted a better understanding. And we finished the lawsuit, I think it was one semester after I finished the paralegal degree. And so 
I thought, well, let's go on to law school. Let's do it. And I went to Ole Miss and had a, a great time and good learning experience. And then I went out to practice in 1999. And now here you are on a legal show. So <laughs> that is excellent. We're going to put your knowledge to the test this morning. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about uh, Social Security in general. If you could just give us a definition of what it is. I often hear people questioning whether or not Social Security benefits are even going to be around for uh, the younger generations as time progresses. Do you have any thoughts on that? If you think about life insurance and you think about the actuaries behind the scenes who are calculating the numbers, there are actuaries for the Social Security Administration, and they are calculating the numbers too. And sometimes when I have a young person who comes into the office and they say, oh, I'm disabled, I can't work, and I said, Social Security, first of all, is going to turn you down. Hmm. They, they are going to want you to work, and they're going to want you to retrain. They're going to want you to get out there and try and do the best you can because behind the scenes, it requires seven people to have worked all of their lifetime and get to the age of retirement and drop dead hmm. in order for that one single young person at the age 22, 23 to receive Social Security disability benefits. Now, the kind of benefits that are available, and it sounds like vegetable soup here, but if you think about a staircase, a three-step staircase, the first stair step is SSI. Now, some people call that Title 16. SSI stands for Supplemental Security Income. That is for people who have never worked or for people who haven't worked long enough or for people who have fallen back from a higher step. Now, the next step up is SSDI. SSDI stands for Social Security Disability Insurance. When I hear people talking about, oh, I work under the table, you know, I get paid under the table, I think, you know, you ha- you're not paying Social Security taxes. That's right, I'm not paying Social Security taxes. Mm-hmm. And I said, but the problem is that you're also not buying an insurance policy behind the scenes. So that if you become disabled, if you're tree- uh, trimming a tree, and a limb falls on you and you can't work anymore, you know, it might have been great that you've been paid under the table, but the only thing that's available to you is SSI. Whereas if you have been working for um, 40 quarters or five years out of the last 10, okay, and, and five years out of the last 10, then you are eligible for SSDI, which is disability insurance. Now, statistically, it usually pays about twice as much as SSI. It also has a lot less rules and regulations with it because we don't want to encourage people not to work. So SSI has a tremendous amount of rules and regulations with it, whereas the next step up, SSDI does not. That's Social Security Disability Insurance. Now, the third step up is retirement. Mm-hmm. And unless you are age 62, you don't, you're not eligible for that. Now, the question is, is 62 your retirement age? Well, it used to be 62 as a retirement age for everybody. That's not true anymore. As baby boomers are getting older, they're moving up the retirement age. For example, my retirement age is 67. If I take retirement at 62, <coughs> excuse me, that means that I am taking less money. For example, I may agree to take 30% less. Well, if that's $2,000 a month and I take 30% less, I'm agreeing to take $1,400. Now, maybe $1,400 for the rest of my life, but it never increases except for cost of living. And so that $600 may be a mortgage payment or a car payment or 
something that I need to buy. But yeah. if I take that early retirement, I, I'm opting out of that. So it's almost kind of like a, a penalty if you look at it from a financial perspective. And that's exactly what it is. Again, because the actuaries are looking at it behind the scenes saying, if you take it at 62, we need to recoup some of that money. Hmm. Now, you asked a question early on about how long does it take? And I, I kind of sat here and laughed and I said, well, theoretically, how long does it take to get Social Security benefits? You have to be disabled for five months before you're going to get that first check. That means you have to have walked in the door, applied for it, been declared disabled, and theoretically been disabled for five months before you get your first check. You also have to be now disabled for 24 months before you get health insurance. Hmm. And so the question becomes, how long does it take? Well, most cases don't work out theoretically. Interesting. So um, I wanted to back up to the SSDI insurance. Um, I thought it was interesting you brought up about people getting money under the table. Is it the employees or the contractor's responsibility to make sure this insurance is in place, um, or is it the employers? Do the employers require that you have insurance before hiring you for a job? The insurance that I'm speaking of comes in behind the scenes. All you see on your pay stubs, if, if it shows Social Security, is that there's money being deducted for Social Security. Mm. But you, you think of that as being a Social Security tax. It's not really all a tax. It is going into a large pot, and it is buying you an insurance policy behind the scenes. Now, you ask a question about the, the employers. Um, in this day and age, the employers have to be extremely careful that they're hiring American citizens or they're hiring people with green cards. And so there are rules and regulations about you know looking at who you hire, and then once you hire them, paying them appropriately. But a lot of people are day workers, and they will get on the truck, they'll go do the job, they'll get paid in cash, and that's it. But those people are only going to be eligible for SSI, and I hear it all the time. I've worked all of my life. Well, you may have, but if you didn't pay in the Social Security taxes, you didn't get that insurance policy. Now, here's something that you can do if you are a day worker, and it sounds strange, or you're a person who gets paid under the table, report it as self-employment mm-hmm. and pay a self-employment tax, which will then kick into the Social Security. It will show that you've been working. It will also pay for that insurance policy behind the scenes. So you can do it on your own. And, you know, one thing, though, Susan, it, it's so unfair to the workers, though, when employers do that, because I know the university pays half of my OASDI, which is the old age social, you know, uh, that, you'll see that on your paycheck. It's it's really uh, old age and uh, survivor and disability insurance because it also pays a survivor benefit. The university pays half of that, whereas if I'm self-employed, I got to pay the whole thing. I get a tax deduction, but I, it seems like the employers are really not treating those employees fairly when they don't include them in the system. Well, that's true. Now, I had an additional question when you talked about uh, you have to be disabled for five months before collecting your check. What if you recuperate and recover before uh, that, you know, that time period is up? Do you I mean, folks probably don't go back and say, well, now I'm able to work or do they? For a five month period, usually they don't. But let's say that you have a person who is out for two years. Okay. In that type of a situation, the five months would have taken place. You have uh, a, a year and a half left. 
And in that situation, you may want to say, I have a closed-end um, situation, a closed-end claim, where I only want it for those months. Chances are you're not going to get it, but you might as well try. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue the conversation. We are talking with attorney Susan Smith about Social Security benefits and other issues. If you are listening this morning, you have any questions about uh, Social Security benefits, how to know whether or not you are disabled, give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. If you have any questions about your rights as it relates to Social Security benefits, 877-672-7464 is the number. Currently, all our lines are open, so get your calls in early. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Britt in studio with uh, Jay White. <laughs> Jay, it's okay. Our little theme music didn't play, and Jay got really disappointed. Something happens where it doesn't upload in the system, Jay, so we'll have to figure it out, okay? Don't be disappointed. Nah. <laughs> this is Jay's first time uh, running the board for uh, legal terms. Sam Wells is gone, everybody, so we're all uh, doing his duty. So thank you, Jay, for serving in there. And uh, I am joined today by attorney Susan Smith, who is an attorney at law in Greenville, also has an office in South Haven, and Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we're talking about Social Security disability uh, benefits. If you have any questions or comments about your own situations, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you want to know your rights according to the law. 877-672-7464 is the number. You can also send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We do have a few calls to get to. Sydney is in Heidelberg with a question. Good morning to you, Sydney. Thanks for being on. Yeah, how you doing? All right. Hey, uh, Cherie. Yes. Uh, you were talking about the, the people that be on uh, disability before you can get on there about five months. Mm-hmm. Uh, most jobs, I retired in 2000. Most jobs have what you call a disability income. Mm-hmm. My, di- my disability income paid me till I got on Social Security Disability. Wow. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. I wish a lot of people would take advantage of that because they don't understand how important that is to cover you between the time you're disabled and the time you can actually get the Social Security to start. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they paid me. I was off uh, a month, and my my income, my disability income paid me within a month till I got on Social Security. And they helped me get on Social Security disability because they're sending three lawyers from Missouri to represent me to get on Social Security Disability. Well, you know why they did that. Yeah, to get, to get me off of them. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sydney. Thank you okay. for your call. Okay, y'all have a nice day. You too. We Thank appreciate you. your call. Um, Sydney said he had three lawyers working for him. Do you need that many? Um, no, actually you don't. It's supposed to be an administrative process. And by an administrative process, it means that the individual is supposed to be able to represent themselves up to a certain point. 
But then there's that old adage that says, if you represent yourself, you have a fool for an attorney. (laughs) So Mm. let's think about a ladder and climbing the steps of a ladder. That first step is extremely important. Now, if you're looking at a, a physical ladder, you know that when you step on that first step, you have to decide whether that ladder is going to hold you, whether it's wobbly, whether you need to support it in a different way. Okay, in the Social Security Administration, you have the initial step. And in the initial step, you have to be prepared. You cannot just walk in there and say, I'm disabled, I want Social Security benefits, because they're not going to give it to you. What you need to do is to walk in and say, I've been to Dr. X, Dr. Y, Dr. Z, Dr. So-and-so, and this list, and have this list prepared that has the exact name of the doctor, the address, the telephone number, because you have to back up the fact that you are disabled with your medical records. Hmm. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, well, that doctor, I can't think of his name, is a strange-sounding name. He's down on, on South Lamar. Well, you know, how many, if you live in Oxford, how many uh, doctors are there on South Lamar? If you live in Greenville, it's usually, well, it's over there in Colorado. (laughs) I say, Mm. well, that's nice. Um, And then we have, in Greenville, we have, particularly, we have a husband and wife who are doctors. And they'll say, well, I went to Dr. Kareem, and I have to look at my client and say, okay, Mrs. Dr. Kareem or Mr. Dr. Kareem? Wow. So you have to be very specific. You have to have their name, their addresses, their telephone numbers. And it is extremely important because when you walk into Social Security or you get online to make your application, Social Security is going to go out and get your medical records. But here's what you don't know behind the scenes. They're going to pay $14 for those medical records. You may have been in the hospital two weeks in intensive care. That's an awful lot of records. They're going to pay $14 for it. If I go out and ask for those same medical records... It's going to be $25 just to pull the file off the shelf plus a dollar a page up to a certain point and then drops a little bit. If you go out and get your own medical records, it's going to be somewhere in between that because sometimes you'll have a physician who will say, oh, it's no problem here. I'll just give you your records. Sometimes they'll cut you a break. Um, But Social Security has that first step. And if you give them the names, addresses, and telephone numbers, they're going to go out there and they're going to get the medical records. But they can't control what medical records come back in. And so it's really your responsibility at that step to say, well, did you get Dr. So-and-so's records? Did you get Baptist Memorial Hospital records? Did you get University Medical Center records? Mm -hmm. And when I sit down with people, I go through their records with them and show them actually what came back in. Now, if you get denied on that first step, then you have 60 days to appeal. And again, 60 days is a drop-dead situation. You need to get it done within 60 days up to the recon level, reconsideration. Okay, now here's another thing behind the scenes that most people don't know. That reconsideration is your state government checking to see if your federal government did what they were supposed to do. Now, if you're working with a very good local Social Security office, I can guarantee you that when the state looks at it, they're going to rubber stamp whatever the state did and send it right back within a week. If you're working with a mediocre office or you're working with a poor office, 
it could be a year and a half on this step. And so, you know, when you asked me earlier, how long does it take? You know, theoretically, you have to be disabled for five months. But here we could spend a year just on this step alone, which is the reconsideration. Now, you know, you know Shreed, I have one thing to say, and that is uh, that Sydney had three Missouri lawyers, but one lawyer, one Mississippi lawyer like Susan Smith could do the same job. So I just want to make that clear that it <laughs> takes three Missouri lawyers to equal one Mississippi lawyer. <laughs> Thank you. All right. It's <laughs> a lot of shade just through there, Dean. Okay. We have several uh, calls to get to. We go first to Vivian in Bogalusa, Louisiana. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Uh, uh, the attorneys, uh, uh, Mrs. Smith said about uh, the three steps when she first came on. Uh, I think she entitled it uh, Social Security, and then the next step would be Social D. It had a D in it? Yes, SSDI. Okay, SSDI. Could you explain that again to me? Because I, I think I'm, I fell in that category, SSDI. Okay, if you think about three steps on a staircase, the first step is supplemental security income. This yeah. is for people who may never have worked in their life or who have fallen back from a higher step. Okay. The next step up is Social Security Disability Insurance. Okay. All right. This is for people who have worked for 40 quarters and who have worked five out of the last 10 years. Okay. And if you meet that, then you get the highest paid benefits just short of retirement, which is the third step up. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, um, I think I, I know now that I, I fell in that category, but I'm not getting paid that. And um, when I I had to retire at uh, 62, and when I retired, I had always already worked uh, like 10 or 11 years before I retired. So wouldn't that put me in this category where the deep, I mean the SDI? Well, it sounds like it, but I'd have to look at your individual case to find out what happened. Um, you did mention that you retired at 62. Yes, I did. Okay. When you retire at 62 these days, unless that is your prescribed retirement date, you are accepting less money. You sign a contract with them to say, I'll take less in order to get something. Oh, I see. Okay, then. You answered my question, then. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Vivian. We appreciate your call. Okay, a couple more calls to get to before the break. Bruce is in Lumberton with a question. Good morning, Bruce. What do you have for us today? Yeah, I think I fall in that same category. I had paid in all my life, probably 30 years, and it took me five years to get on my disability. I had used uh, aid and all that, but then I realized I had to get a, an attorney. And by the time that I went through all the denials, my five years, all my quarters had run out. So they put me on the lowest scale they was. And I was wondering if there's any kind of recourse for that. It seemed like they just kind of hailed me off till that five years was up. Well, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, a lot of times we can appeal to a higher level, and we talked about the initial step and the reconsideration step. If you get denied on the reconsideration step, there is another appeal level, which, again, you have to do it within 60 days, which is to the administrative law judge. Now, again, this is set up to be a situation where it's very relaxed. It's not very formal, but you do have a judge and, and you, you do need to testify under oath. That can, yeah. unfortunately, 
depending upon where you live in the state of Mississippi, that can take three years or more just on that step alone. Now, we are getting help at this particular point from uh, Memphis. Memphis is taking a section of Mississippi in order to try and spread out the cases. Uh, Kentucky has been pulled in to uh, try and help speed up some of the cases. But where we just had a a major problem right before um, our new president uh, stepped in, in place, is that we lost a number of our judges, and uh, he put in a hiring freeze, and I went, oh, no, please. Mm. But um, those were technically necessary positions, and we've been able to bring back the number of judges that we had. Now, I will tell you that um, the judges take whatever position is available. So you may have a California judge who's come to Mississippi. Well, they don't want to be in Mississippi. They want to be in California where their family is. And as soon as a uh, position opens in California, they'll do a lateral transfer right back to California. But in the meantime, we've got them here in Mississippi. And unfortunately, uh, Jackson has uh, two that I expect to leave. Uh, Tupelo may have one or two that I expect to leave. And um, we've got a full complement in Memphis at this particular point who are pretty stable. But if you get turned down at the administrative law judge level, there is again another appeal level, <clears throat> excuse me, which goes to the Appeals Council in Falls Church, Virginia. Now, Falls Church, Virginia, we do not appear in person. But every one of the 50 states plus every one of the territories sends their complaints or their claims to that Appeals Council. And so you're looking at another year to 18 months on that step. If you are denied on that one, then there is another level, which is the federal court back here in Mississippi. Now, in this situation, you have to have a lawyer step up with you to that step. If you've used uh, some uh, representative up until that point who's not a lawyer and you want to take that next step, you do have to have the, uh, the lawyer to take you into federal court. But most people say to me, I don't have the medical records. I don't have the funding to go out there and and get a doctor. You have to have those medical records. Now, if if the Social Security Administration is using all this time, fine. We're going to bring in all those medical records that have built up during that time. But you have to have the medical records to show it. If you've got the medical records available to you on that first step, that initial step, that's fantastic because that's the best step and the fastest way that you're going to get paid. Yes, on my case, there the first judge that denied me. I, I went through about four or five appeals. The judge that denied me the first time is the one that awarded to me there to lifetime, and I've been on it since '95. I want to know if there's any recourse that I could go talk to an attorney about what happened to my quarters and all. It's hard to live on seven hundred something dollars a month. Mm. It, it is extremely difficult to, to consider um, living on $700 a month, and that's what people need to understand is that if you are on SSI, that's about what it's paying is $750 a month. Now, you do get free Medicaid, or excuse me, free uh, yeah, Medicaid, but if you uh, go up to the SSDI level, you're going to get Medicare. Now, is there any recourse? Um, I would think not at this stage, but sit down with a lawyer, take a look at the case, uh, but I think it's race judicata at this point. 
All right, Bruce, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Good luck to you. We really appreciate you calling in. Um, we're going to go to Harrison. He's been waiting for a while. Before we go to the break, Harrison is in Hattiesburg with a question. Good morning, Harrison. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on Social Security disability since I was 59. I'll be 64 this year. Uh, will the will the payments remain the same as SSDI pay the same as uh, when it changes over to Social Security? When it changes over to retirement? Yes. I am not uh, familiar with that. That's where my where I stop. I help people to get on the Social Security disability. But I would say that if there's a higher benefit to be paid, uh, go ahead and apply for it. Uh, they may convert you over at that particular point to retirement. You may find that you're receiving exactly the same thing as retirement, but usually that's the next step up. So I would guess that there might be more, but if you don't apply, you never know. Right, and I can go to the Social Security office and ask them and they'll be able to tell me. Yes, they sir. should. And you can also go to ssa.gov. Uh, good information on ssa.gov about uh, all the different types of benefits. As, as Susan said, I mean, we're just really talking about disability, but there's survivor benefits, there are, you know, other retirement benefits, things like that. Uh, we could do uh, several shows on the different parts of Social Security. Okay. This well, is true. I appreciate your time. All right, Harrison, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll get back. Danny in Alabama, we'll get to you, and we have some lines open if you want to join the conversation. This morning, we are talking about Social Security Disability Benefits. If you have any questions about what your rights are, we'd love to hear from you this morning at 877-MPB-RING. we get back from the break, we'll talk about what you can do if uh, a claim of yours gets denied. What can you do? Give us a call, 877-672-7464, or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is Susan Smith, attorney at law in Greenville and also has an office in South Haven. Today we've been talking about Social Security disability benefits, and we've been uh, just kind of going through the different um, things that, that you need to consider when you are thinking about filing a claim or just going through your rights. So if you have any questions or comments about your rights when it comes to Social Security disability issues. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. So Attorney Smith, we got an email and we kind of touched on this a little earlier, but uh, it doesn't hurt to reiterate. It says, I recently became self-employed. What should I do about Social Security payments? You should make sure that you pay your taxes um, because Richard just asked me a question on the break with uh, stolen Social Security numbers. Homeland Security has this wide finger reach, and what I'm beginning to see is that things are being connected behind the scenes. Social Security will pull up your uh, income tax records. Now, they're not going to pull up line-by-line items, but they are going to pull up your work history. And if you are self-employed, you need to make sure that you are reporting that through your income taxes and showing that you are working, showing that you're earning such and such an amount of money. 
And if someone uses your social security number, that's also going to show up. For example, let's say that uh, you've never lived in the state of California, you've never worked in the state of California, but uh, Mary Doherty is out there in the state of California and she's using your social security number. Well, that's kind of nice because it looks like you're getting paid and Mm -hmm. it it looks like you've worked a number of quarters and, uh, you know, it looks nice. But on the other hand, that's not you. And so when that shows up, you need to file a statement with the Social Security Administration immediately and say, that's not me. Somebody's using my Social Security number. And uh, since it's tax day, I'll add that self-employment tax is how you pay your Social Security and Medicare tax, too. So if you're self-employed, my wife is self-employed, for example. So one of the things that she does every year when we file our return is we have to pay uh, self-employment tax, which is really then she's paying her full share of Medicare tax and Social Security. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a deduction that she'll get for the half that would have been paid before uh, by the employer. So, but that that's how someone who's self-employed would pay their their taxes. All right, and we have lots of calls to get to. I wanted to ask a, a quick question: um, If you can work part time but not full time, are you still eligible for disability benefits? That's that's an interesting question. There are job classifications in the Social Security Administration. Uh, one is heavy then there's medium, then there's light, and then there's sedentary. If you can, well, let's say you're working as a truck driver and uh, the job that you had uh, required you to lift things uh, that weighed 100 pounds or more, then you're in a, a heavy occupation. Well, let's say that something happened to your back and you can no longer do that. You can't get up into a cab of a truck anymore, let alone lift things. But there's a dispatching job that's available at your trucking firm. You are expected to retrain if you can. And that dispatching job may be considered to be a light job because you're only lifting files of 10 pounds um, or less. If you are sitting most of the time, then that's your sedentary job. You are expected to try to make a living and expected to work in any one of those job classifications that you can. But if you have a backbreaking job, like the heavy, you are expected to downgrade it into a different kind of job, medium, light, or sedentary. Now, if you have tried to do that and you can't work any job, even working at part-time, then you're eligible for the Social Security benefits. Every year, Social Security looks at what the standard minimum is. If you make over $1,000, even if you're working part-time, they consider you to be substantially gainfully employed. Now, we had the gentleman who was talking about living on $700 a month. $1,000 a month isn't much better. Right. But if you're trying to get out there and work every year it increases just a little bit a thousand one hundred thousand two hundred etc but generally speaking if you're making over a thousand dollars a month you are substantially gainfully employed and you're not going to get social security disability benefits on the other hand if you can work the job and let's say you're making nine hundred fifty dollars a month you're pushing the limit you know what the limit is but you work that job for at least three months or four months or five months, again, Social Security is going to come back and say you are substantially gainfully employed. You are not going to get Social Security disability benefits because you can take care of yourself. And if you think about it, 
$950 a month is still better than the max payment for the SSI of like $750. Mm-hmm. All right. A few more calls to get to. Danny is in Alabama. Danny, thank you for holding. What do you have for us today? Hello, oh, Danny. Hey. This is Danny. Danny from Reggie, Alabama. Yes, sir. You're on the air. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, one common concern about uh, my... See, when I was about 62 years old, I was in disability. I went to disability. They, they, they denied it. And a few days later, they after grading me back in the end of I got a social security and a disability. And that uh, was the last money. I was supposed to receive the thing in $950, and they went down to six, uh, five, $600, $600 per month. Okay, that's fine and dandy. When it came up, uh, when I turned 65, they forced me to go on social security. Okay, you know, I on retirement, early retirement. And uh, they, uh, now I'm getting only $719 per month. And I think that was a little bit slow because I was 35 years of my life. And uh, together, the same amount of people who never work in their life or getting $700 per month. And of several people who are getting like a little younger. If there's any way I can get, like, a, get an attorney to find out why the reason I'm, I'm getting them one of the things that you can do is go to Social Security and ask for the record of your employment. Now, what some people have found is that the employers didn't turn in the information. Or again, if you were paid in cash, the, the employer was not reporting to Social Security and not taking Social Security taxes out. So therefore, it's not coming into the um, information that Social Security is working with. But it sounds it sounds like there's there's some kind of problem there with the number of quarters that you worked. But on the other hand, people who get SSI get Medicaid free. People who get SSDI have to pay for Medicare. And so even though you're getting more money cash-wise under the SSDI, you're paying that money back by paying for a health insurance policy. And so... It, it's robbing Peter to pay Paul, in, in my opinion, but it, it's it's there. I mean, it, it happens. But I, if I were you, I would ask Social Security to provide me, and it'll take time, um, provide me with a list of all the places that I've worked. I want to see how many quarters you recorded. I turned 67 now. Am I able to go? Um, well, because what happened is that a Medicare uh, is paid by the state uh, State of Alabama, as, I mean, uh, I got Medicaid too, Medicare and Medicaid. I think they pay me for my, my insurance. In other words, I'm not able to, like, must uh, work here, still uh, do anything, but I, uh, I think I can do a little bit of work, like a, like a light job, something like that, to make extra money one day a week, probably like this, because I got a lot of pain in my legs and the back and everything else, but I, well, I, I think part of your question was talking about the how, how long ago before you were talking about what state you lived in. And I can share personal information with you that um, my father's Social Security records, and you're talking about a long time ago, are actually warehoused 
in some of the coal mines in Pennsylvania that they're using as their, their storage units. Uh, back before we had computers, it was all paper. And so they had the file cabinets, and, and they put these down into the, the coal mines, the old worn-out coal mines. So it may take some time to get your old records, but I think it's important for you to ask for that and see what they can come up with. All right. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. And we're going to go next to Frank, who's in Jackson with a comment. Good morning to you, Frank. Thanks for holding. Yes, good morning. How are we doing today? Doing great. Great. Um, How are you, Jack? Frank. I'm oh, Frank. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It hurts my heart to hear all these people in pain and needing assistance and confused as to why they can't get more benefits and why they have to wait three years for an administrative process. And Ronald Reagan started this deal about government is the problem. Republicans, their number one thing is to shrink government so the wealthier people in the country will not have to pay an equitable share to support everybody else because all the success of this country is because we work together. Every time you vote for Republican people out there, every time you vote for Republican, their goal is to shrink government to provide fewer services, to make providing those services less convenient for you for the benefit of the wealthier people in the society. Do not get, don't get baited into saying, well, at least we're not going to pay for welfare queens, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the problem. Concentrate on what the benefits will be for you rather than trying to deny benefit to somebody else. So if you vote for Republicans, you are voting for exactly what we're getting here in Mississippi. No services, bridges falling down, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. And there's more money being produced because we work together as a, as a group. But we are allowing, because of our prejudices, to allow one group to dominate everyone else to the detriment of most of us. So folks out there, you will continue to have these problems if you continue to elect Republicans. Well, I, I like your enthusiasm, and I want to point out there is something specific that you can do to assist by contacting your congressman, your representatives. In the Social Security Administration, they are using a book called the Dictionary of Occupational Titles. Now, I want you to understand that the Dictionary of Occupational Titles was last updated in the 1990s. Did you hear me? I said last updated in the 1990s. Mm. Think of how jobs have changed since the 1990s. The Social Security Administration is the only administration in the government that is still using the Dictionary of Occupational Titles. The, uh, the Labor Department is no longer using it. In fact, they have a setup that says you can crosswalk, or in other words, translate, from the Dictionary of Occupational Titles into their jobs that they have listed right now. But the problem is the Social Security Administration doesn't do that. And so when they say to one of my clients, well, you can be uh, a paper folder, you know, those pieces of paper that come out, um, advertisements that are folded in threes and have a little uh, stamp on them. Well, you can do that for a living. No, you can't. That's what machines are doing at this particular point. So I think if you want to be politically active in this and you want to help out, we need more judges. We need to have the congressman taking a look at the Dictionary of Occupational Titles and drop-kicking it into the nearest river. It is just...
too old at this particular point to tell us much. Yes, it's historical. That's fine. But even the Social Security Administration records say you only have to tell us about the jobs you've worked in the last 16 years. Well, that's 2000. That's not 1990s. Mm. So it is totally obsolete. And I think your help is appreciated if you'll focus it in that direction. All right. Thanks, Frank. Go ahead, Professor Gershon. I was just going to say, too, you know, there are other countries. We can look at what other countries do for their uh, retired and disabled uh, citizens, and they do a lot better job. Uh, and uh, and so I uh, also appreciate Frank's enthusiasm. And what we're hearing is from people who worked their whole lives, uh, not people who have uh, kind of sucked on the system, but people who worked their whole lives who are having difficulty uh, getting their benefits. And that's not a good good place to be for this country. Okay, thank you, Frank. We appreciate your call. We're going to try to squeeze in one last call. Roosevelt is in Jackson with a question. Good morning, Roosevelt. Uh, yes, good morning. Hey. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I kind of agree with the other caller. <laughs> I mean, you know, I ain't trying to be negative, but it's true, you know, about the Republican situation. And uh, if people realize it ain't about black, it ain't about white. It's about green, that money. Mm-hmm. Because don't really care about nobody but uh, themselves and stuff, and the uh, Trump administration is going to show that. That's all I got to say. Okay, thanks, Roosevelt. So, uh, anybody agree with that? That it's not about black and white, but it's about green. That is right. I mean, it's behind the scenes. They're looking at actuaries. They're looking at how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. It is about the green. Okay. Um, well, we have about a minute left. Did you have any closing thoughts? Uh, anything you wanted to direct people to do if they need assistance with Social Security disability benefits? I want to remind people that your first step is your best step. And when you apply for Social Security Disability Benefits, you want to have in your hand already written down the names, addresses, and telephone numbers of the doctors that you have been to see. And if you have not been to see doctors, but you are trying to complain about my back or my legs or my feet or whatever, you have to go to medical care. Now, a lot of these low-cost places will use nurse practitioners. Nurse practitioners are okay once a doctor has diagnosed it, they can treat it. So get your medical records, get in there and see the, um, the physicians as soon as you possibly can. Okay, and so as soon as something happens, um, you should kind of go ahead and be getting those records together. Um, digital or hard copy records? The first time on the initial step, you don't need to worry about collecting the records. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that they're established. You need to make sure that you've gone to the doctors. And a lot of doctors nowadays are required, and I think there's a, a law that says they're actually required to have it in digital format. But a lot of the doctors, unfortunately, still handwrite a lot of things. All right. Well, Attorney uh, Smith, we thank you so much for being on today. You were a great guest. We appreciate you being on today. Jay White uh, was our board operator. Also, thanks to Professor Gershon, um, our, our regular expert for being on with us today. And Kevin Farrell was our call screener. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to the Legal Terms podcast. If you go to mpbonline.org, there's a space for you to subscribe on the right. Also, you can subscribe through any podcast app that you may have on your phone. If you didn't get to call, you can always send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Coming up next, Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress. This is Think Radio on MPB.